In previous weeks, Paul has urged us, urged us here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, to give unto the Lord. First, he has taught us in the chapters previously that we are to give our souls, our souls to the Lord through faith. And that is faith in Jesus Christ and he alone. You can't work your way there. You can't earn it. It is through faith and faith alone. And then Paul said, after we go through that process of understanding and believing in Christ by faith and faith alone, then he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we are then to give our bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which are to be, he says, acceptable to the Lord our God. Well, now, as you jump into verse 2, he's going to ask us also to give unto the Lord both two things, our minds and our wills. Now, the question is, how? And I think until you and I really comprehend how we do this, it'll always be a struggle in your life, and it ought not to be. All of the Lord's goodies, if you would, are on the bottom shelf all of the goodies of understanding the Lord are not that, are not that vague and, and so far out there that you and I can't comprehend what the Lord wants for us. The problem for us normally is our minds and our wills. Will we do what the Lord God has asked us to do? And that is, sadly, yet wonderfully, by choices. Nobody can stop you from doing what God has called you to do with your life, but nobody can make you do it. It is your choice. And so I want you to read with me again. I know we've read it before, but I want to read again Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, because I think these two verses are the very hinge of life itself as a believer in Jesus Christ. It is the essence of our faith. I think it's interesting, when I went up, as I told you, uh, come to find out that chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 were Hutch's life verses on all of the, the pamphlets and flyers that they gave out with his picture and all of that on there were these two verses. And it says, Paul writes, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And then he writes, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Father, this is the very essence of our faith, that once we have given, or you have given so much to us through salvation, so much that we comprehend who we are in you, as Hutch just explained. All he had in his life for the first part of it was hatred. Just a deep hatred. And Father, you removed all of that beyond, beyond any shadow of a doubt. And you brought into this person's life a love for people that is unlike very few that I've ever known. Father, you can do that for all of us. That's not, that's not that difficult. It's just a matter of our mind and our wills that we would serve you and love you as we ought. And so, Father, I make no excuses for it. I do not apologize. I want to preach the gospel. I want to preach and I want people to come to know you, but more, 
I want those of us that come to know you, I want us to walk with you. I want us to become, as you ask us to become, proving what is good, acceptable, and perfect within our lives as we live our lives for you. Help us, Father, to understand that. Would you open up our eyes so that we might behold wonderful things from your law? And would you move me aside, please, dear Father, so that I do not hinder what you want to say to each one of us individually. This is a message to one person here, one by one by one. I pray that you move into the heart of the one who is listening and hearing you. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Okay, first and foremost, why? Why do we renew our minds? Well, as I explained to you last time we got together, it is because in the mind that our new nature and our old humanness are intermixed. They're both in there. And the mind is where the choices are made. Whether you and I will live out this new nature or we will live out our old fleshly humanness, our old nature. Which is it? Paul gently but very firmly commands that we are not to allow ourselves to be conformed into the world's image. We're not to do that. J.B. Phillips translates this particular verse like this. Don't let the world, this present age, don't let it, so around, don't let it squeeze you into its mold and into its system. You see, rather, you and I are to stop allowing ourselves to be fashioned after this present evil age in which we now live. Why? Why? Well, because the word world there in verse 2 is A-I-O-N in the Greek. It translates age. It's really talking about generation to generation to generation. It is referring to this present age or this world system in which we now live. I recorded some stuff when I'm, I, 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 I like TV too much. I, I'll give you that. I, I, it's my way of relaxing, and I record things. I don't like to watch things live very much. In fact, as we speak right now, a football game is being recorded <laughs> at my home, and I'll watch it in about 45 minutes this afternoon. I can fast forward. I don't have to watch all the huddles. I don't have to watch all that stuff, but I can watch the game. I love doing that. And I, I recorded Barbara Walters' 10 most fantastic, Famous, uh, uh, what kind of uh, fascinating people? Barbara Walters. Oh, excuse me, I just had to throw up a little bit. <laughs> On that program was a sweet young girl of some years back by the name of Miley Cyrus. I, I am appalled by what I see of her. Now, I, I, if, if you love her and all of that, I have no trouble. I don't dis don't dislove her. I'm just appalled by what she's allowed herself to go. And in this interview she had with Barbara Walters, she said that she is changing. As the world is changing, so she is changing. And she has got more things for us in the future. Just watch. And Barbara says, well, are you going to perform nude? And she says, probably not, but just watch. And I'm thinking, Miley, you just preached Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It is exactly what this present world is doing to us. This world or age which you and I live represents the sum of demonic human philosophy of life. My father has been dead since 1985, I think, 84, 5. If he came back to this world right now, he would be shocked. 
what he would see on television. He would be shocked what he sees on posters for everyone to see. He would be shocked. We are changing. This world is changing. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, these words. He says, if our gospel is being veiled, it is being veiled to those who are perishing. He says in verse 4, in whose case the God of this world, Satan, Satan is the God of this age, this very age which you and I live. He has Paul writes, blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. You ever wonder why some people just can't seem to grasp the gospel? I mean, really, if you share the gospel with someone and you have enough courage to tell them there is a heaven and there is a hell and hell is a despicable place. It is so, so wretched. I can't even begin to explain to you how terrible it is. And it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. And you don't want to go there. And then there is a place called heaven that wants to give you all the wonders of life and, and life eternal. And you can be with God and you can be with joy and everything forever. And a person will look at that and say, I'm not sure. I want, I'm not, are you kidding me? me you're not sure you're not sure which one you want to choose and the world has been blinded by the light of the gospel by the god of this world namely satan and here's the problem it's not uncommon sadly for some Christians to put on this world image and, and seem to want to enjoy the world's entertainment, the world's fashions, the world's vocabulary, the world's music, the world's attitude, the world's lifestyle, and on and on and on it goes. And when some of those things don't conform themselves to the standard of the Word of God, then some Christians' actions become unacceptable to our Lord. And I don't want that for you nor me. I want us to love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds. And if I push you too hard, I ask your forgiveness, but I, I'm going to push you towards that goal. I want you to be the man, the woman, that God has called you to be in this world in which we now live. We can transform. We can be renewed. And Paul is going to teach us how in fact, it says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, the Lord says, Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways, say the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. And John wrote some 2,000 years ago, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, We know that we are of God. You know that. We know that we are of God. At least we are supposed to be. And he says, John writes after that, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It clearly does lay in his power today. So what is Paul's solution to this dilemma? We live in a dilemma. We live in a world that's changing. And it's changing right before our eyes. And if we're not careful, we can get caught up in it. And Paul says in verse 2, we are to be, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we are to be transformed. The Greek verb transform is metamorpho. It, uh, it connotes the change of an outward appearance. It's a term in which we get the, the word metamorphosis. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, the, the apostles were there and they saw Jesus Christ on a mountaintop. 
And they saw his transfiguration. It says when he was transfigured. In other words, when he was metamorphosed, When he changed right before their eyes. His face, they said, shone like the sun. And his garments became white as light, it says. Christ's innermost divine nature, his innermost glory, was manifested outwardly for them to see. In the same way, you and I are to be transformed. Our innermost redeemed nature is to be manifested outwardly, completely, continually within our daily lives. There should be a change in, in our lives. Have you ever heard someone say to another person, man, that, that person I just met, they, they, their, their countenance just glowed. Have you ever heard someone say that? I've heard that often, and, and there's many of you here that I, I can see that. Alvin, by the grace of God, I see that in you. When, I, when I'm around you, I, I see a man of God. You don't have to say a word to me. But of course, I know you, and I've watched you. But I see it, and it's in your, your countenance. You can just glow sometimes with the Lord. And it is a, an essence that all of us have seen in people. We have the ability to do that, to be conformed, as it says in verse 2, and to be transformed. They are in the passive imperative tense. By that it means we are commanded by the Lord to allow ourselves to be conformed and transformed. And that word means we are to be changed outwardly, moment by moment. It isn't something that it happens just like this and it'll be like that forever. It is a constant constant uh, purpose in your life and my life to live as a godly man as a godly woman how do we do that how in second corinthians I, I would i would love for you to listen to this paul assures the corinthians believers we are all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord and we are being transformed there's that word into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord of Spirits. In other words, from the Holy Spirit. That's what Hutch said in the video. The Holy Spirit changed his life. And we are to aspire to this outward change that it only can be accomplished by God, the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes, Don't get drunk with wine. He says, that's dissipation. Rather, he says, be filled with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit achieves this transformation in verse 2 by saying we are to be renewed in our minds. That is an essential and repeated theme throughout Scripture. Renewing of our minds. The inner change that comes from within, from our minds, by the means of the Holy Spirit, transforms our mind through the Word of God. Probably the most famous of them all. Uh, that I love so dearly is David, King David. And I love David so much because David was not of just a perfect man. He made mistakes just like all of us have made. In fact, he's made mistakes probably greater than any of us here. And yet God called him a man after his own heart. In Psalms 119, verse 11, David makes this statement, Thy word, thy word, O Lord, I have treasured in my heart. In other words, in my mind. Thy word I have treasured in my heart so that I may not, what? Sin against you. The essence of the Word of God is everything in your life. That's why we make no apologies here. We study the Word of God because this is what will change your life. 
And, and to hear it over and over and over again is a wonderful and good thing. It brings you to the very essence of what Christianity, what your life is really to be all about. God's Word is the very instrument that the Holy Spirit will use to renew your mind, which in turn He will then use it to transform your life and my life. Paul repeatedly emphasized this truth in the letter to the church at Colossae. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Would you please with me for a moment? Hold your place here. Colossians is to the right, of course. You'll go past 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then uh, gee, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. I want to read through Colossians. I want you to listen to Paul's, um, Paul's thought process through writing this book to the people in Colossians. He, he has a, a very, very purposeful meaning that he wants to tell them and I'm going to break it down to you very simply I'm going to jump from one chapter to the next chapter 1 Colossians verse 28 he says Paul does we proclaim Christ we admonish every person every man every woman every child and we teach every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ if you want to know the essence of, I don't have a life verse. I don't have one life verse because I just seem to love them all so much. But if, if I had one, this might be it. If my purpose in life is to try to proclaim Jesus Christ so clearly to you that I would admonish you, teach you, that we might present you one day to Christ complete. I want that for myself. I want that for you. I want that for my children. I want that for everybody that, that the Lord will bring into my life. I want that for us. Now look at cha Colossians chapter 3 for a moment. How is he going to do this? How is he going to present the, every person complete in Christ? He says first in Colossians chapter 3 verse 2, I want you to set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on this earth. Why? Because this earth is not run by God. This earth is run by Satan. And so you and I need to set our minds on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Then in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10, then we will have to put on the new self, that self that is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who has created him. Therefore, Paul exclaims without making any excuses in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell, richly dwell within you. Remember what David said? Thy word, in Psalms 119, verse 11, Thy word I have treasured in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Paul says, let that word of Christ richly dwell within you so that you and I would not disappoint our Lord, so that we would live the life that God has called us to live. You see, the transformed life and the renewing of your mind is the one that is saturated and controlled by the Word of God. You've got to know the Word. One thing about Hutch that very few people knew, and he told me one day, I said to him, I said, you know, Hutch, I've watched you preach, I don't want to exaggerate, 50 to 100 messages, I don't know. I've never seen you use a note. 
What do you do? He used, to, he used to get his Bible. I used to love to watch him preach. I just lost my place. And he'd get down in his football stance when he was younger, and he'd say, let me tell you something. And he'd start preaching out of the Bible, and he'd preach word on word, but he never had a note. I, I've never preached a message to anyone ever that I didn't have a note. I had to, had to remember what, I was, what, I was, what I'd studied. And he says, well, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody. And I said, what? He said, I have photogenic memory. He said, I only have to read something once and I memorize it. And I says, you know, I, I, I didn't like you for the, from the moment I met you. <laughs> He's so doggone. He was smarter than almost everybody I knew, but he didn't want anybody to know it. He wanted to preach down to the level of the people. But he was brilliant. But he didn't want anybody to know it. He got all A's through school. He was just, he's unique. He was the most unique man I've ever known. You and I need to be saturated and controlled by the word of God. Remember, it is the mind, the mind that Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Because this earth is not controlled by our Lord. It's controlled by the evil one. And so you and I need to set our hearts against this thing. It's not that the world out there is so bad. I mean, you and I can live in there, but we've got to set our standard. And we can't let the world, as Philip says, squeeze us into its mold. The, the whole process of, of being Christians and God calling us to set apart was to make people out there like us, not us like them. And so that's the process that you and I must set as a standard. We must. So you all, you do it by knowing the word of God. And, and, and within your life, in my life, when something good or bad occurs, our immediate, almost reflective response should be a biblical thought. It should be the word of God that, 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 that gets us. I remember I learned over the time that one of my real bad, bad, bad habits was I was a terrible, I am a terrible driver. I'm a terrible driver. I'm, I drive too fast and I take too many chances. And, I, and I'm getting better. I'm really getting better. And I remember there was a time when, when I thought that that doggone highway was mine, mine. Get out of the way. And if you cut in front of me, oh, I didn't like that. I would get in front of you and cut in front of you if I could. Uh, geez, I was just in, it was terrible. And I got to a place where I started thinking, Lord, that doesn't glorify you at all, this attitude. And now I've got to a place when someone cuts in front of me, I'll back off, I'll let them in, and I'll pray for them because I'm figuring maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe somebody's hurt at home. Maybe they got a problem. They got this, that, or the other. And I end up praying for them instead of getting angry at them. It's transformed my life in a small way. I know that's not a big deal, but to me it was a big victory. It really has overcome me. You see, our example should always be the Word of God. Always. I want you to see something that I, a, a place in Scripture that I adore. It's in Matthew, the fourth chapter. Hold your place in Romans, chapter 12. Turn to the left. Very first book in the New Testament is Matthew. And look at Matthew, chapter 4 with me, please. You'll know the scene the moment you get to it. You might not know it by heart now, but you do when you turn to it. It was where Jesus Christ had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Spirit of God, not, not, not by accident, but the Spirit of God led Jesus Christ into the wilderness to be tempted by the evil one. God himself led his son to be tempted by the evil one. And watch what takes place. It is an amazing place in Scripture. It says, verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
And after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. Well, I would guess so. It says in verse 3, Then the tempter, Satan, came and said to Jesus Christ, If you are the Son of God. Now, I want you to know first and foremost, Satan is smarter than all of us put together. It, that word if there does not mean maybe you are and maybe you aren't. That word if there means since. He knew who he was dealing with, Satan did. Saying, since you are the Son of God, then command these stones to become bread. You're hungry. You're hungry as get out. Why don't you command the stones to become bread so you can eat? Now, what was Satan's reasoning? Why did he try to get Jesus Christ to have a, a, turn a stone into a little loaf of bread? Simple. What he was trying to do was to get Jesus to take action without the authority of the Word of God. Or for Jesus to move outside of the will of God. So what does Jesus say to him? One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Could be my life verse, but I've got others that I like too. Jesus answered and said to him, It is what? It is written. I'm quoting you scripture, Satan. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live out of, and this is what I love, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's the importance of the word of God that you and I study. That's the importance of what we do here in church, to get the word of God into your heart so that it becomes a part of you and me. So the devil says in verse 5, he took him to the holy city and he stood him on the pinnacle of the temple and says, you want to quote scripture? I'll quote scripture. I know scripture. And he said to him in verse 6, if, no, since you are the son of God, then throw yourself down for it is written. You want to quote scripture? I got scripture. I can quote scripture with you, Jesus. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you on their hands. They'll bear you up so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. You don't have to worry. God, the Father will take care of you, Jesus. Jesus said in verse 7, on the other hand, it is written. I want to quote now. See what the Lord is doing is he's taking something taken out of context and he brings up something that is in context and he, and he fights the word with the word. That's the place where I want you and me to get. That's not an easy place to get. But Jesus says, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So again, in verse 8, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to Jesus, all of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. I want you to know something. This is not just an empty, empty temptation. Satan had the power to do just that. He still does. So Jesus said to him in verse 10, Be gone. Get out of here. Go. Go, Satan. For it is written. You know, every time Jesus Christ came into a place that there was a temptation, he quoted scripture. It is written, You shall not, I mean, excuse me, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Does that sound familiar to you? Quickly, turn back to Matthew, I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 12. Take a look. Verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, Paul says, brethren, by the mercies of God, I want you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. That's serving him. And, at, and it, which is, he says, your spiritual service of worship. That's worshiping him. Jesus says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And that is exactly what Paul is teaching us in Romans chapter 12. 
that we are to serve and to worship the Lord our God. And Paul is saying only a mind that is constantly being renewed by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is pleasing to God. And only such a mind is able to make our lives and our bodies and our alls, our all, verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God, acceptable to Him, which is our spiritual service of worship. Our souls, our bodies, and our minds Paul says, are to be given sacrificially unto the Lord. And now he says, you are also to give him your will. Your will. He says in verse 2, read it again, don't be conformed to this world. You'd rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what the will of God is. That which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. The fourth element that is presented here within verses 1 and 2 is our will presenting ourselves to God as a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice as an offering to Him, allowing His Spirit through His Word to conform our will into the will of God. Get that? We are to present ourselves to God as a living, holy, acceptable sacrifice, our offering, our will, to conform our will into the will of God. The Greek construction of that, that verse, you may prove, makes this a purpose statement. That is to say, when a believer's mind is transformed and becomes renewed, their thinking ability, their moral reasoning, their spiritual understanding are able to properly assess everything that comes their way and accept only that which conforms into the will of God. I want you to get to that place. I want to get to that place. I want us to be that type of person. Our lives, our lives can prove only what the will of God is by doing those things that are good, acceptable, perfect. Now, it's really interesting. The word acceptable right there in the middle is an old, it's a Greek word, but it's an Old Testament statement. It is a Greek word, E-U-A-R-E-S-T-O-S, it, it means to be an Old Testament sacrificial offering. It's, a, it's the language of the Old Testament Paul used. He's describing the kind of holy, living sacrifice that God approves. That living sacrifice that is spiritually spotless and without blemish. That's why the animal that had to be... The blood that had to be shed by an animal had to come from an animal that was spotless, that was, that was perfect. It, God didn't want some, some dis, de, deformed animal. He wanted the perfect animal. And that's why Jesus Christ was perfect when he came to the cross and died for yours and my sin and shed his blood. This perfect, sinless, spotless life came and, and gave of himself for us. It was spiritually spotless, without blemish, good, acceptable, perfect. It carries the idea of being complete. Our will should desire only what God desires. How do you get to that place? Our will should lead us to do only what God wants us to do. How do you get to that place? It is all according to His will, by His power. And folks, only God's Word can begin to make that happen within your life and my life. 
where our imperfect will is always subject to His perfect will. I'll give you a, an example. Do you, know what, do you know what the will of God is for your life? You must find that out. It's critical in your life because it will give you, give you peace. I'm going to tell you something that I've never told anybody, I don't think, apart from my wife. Maybe I have, I don't know. But don't hold against me if I've told you this. But over about a, a year ago, Hutch gave me a call. And he said, I want you to consider leaving your church and joining me with Glenn Beck. We're going to make an impact in our, our world towards God. We're going to make... We're going to try to reverse the trend that is flowing from all of liberal thinking to bring everything back to where we understand and believe in God and have a purpose in living. He says, I want you to be my right-hand man. Glenn Beck has asked me to do this. He says he'll pay us handsomely. Find someone to pastor your church and join me. I said, Hutch, I'm in my 70s. Why me? Forgive me, but I'm going to tell you right now. He said, you're the only person I know that will not compromise on what you believe. And you're the, only, you're the only one I know that is willing to fight for what is right and not compromise. And I thought for a moment, and I said, Hutch, I can't do this. God has called me to this church. I will never leave it. I know my call. I can't do what you've asked me to do. I'll help you. I'll come and be a part when I can get away. But I'm not going to leave my church. I, uh, I love these people more than you'll ever know. He says, I know how much you love them. I just want you to do this. It's going to change the United States of America, John. I said, I don't think I'm the man. We need to get to the place in our lives where we lay aside our own plans and trust and accept God's will, no matter the costs. No matter the costs. The transformation of your mind and your will must be steady. It must be fixed on the things above, not the things of this earth. Because we are still continuously tempted in our humanness. It's, I mean, look, every day I fight the same temptations that you do. I'm not, I'm not something special here. There's no, no special cloth over me or anything over me. Or, this, or whoever stands behind this is not, doesn't mean that that person is perfect or, or anything like that. I fight the same battles you fight. Same ones. I've got to bring myself in line with the Word of God every single day. So do you. I need to continually, and you need to be continually transformed and renewed, and you do that by understanding and studying and getting to know this, the Word of God. That's why you need to read it every day if you can. Read a portion of it every day. Make it your food that you eat. Remember what Jesus said when he, he was there with Satan, when Satan was trying to to tempt him, he said, look, man shall not live on bread alone. Man's going to live on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's what I want for you and me. God's word. I want to give you just a little warning and I'm going to close. The moment you and I pretend to be something we are not, it then becomes almost impossible for us to determine what the will of God is within our lives.
Don't be ashamed of the gift that God has given you. It is a wonderful thing not to have to act the part of a Christian. I'll tell you what, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. That's why I love Neil so much. He's been through so much, so much stuff that I've never experienced. And I hope he never changes from the man he is, except that I pray that he just wants to walk with God. That's why you should constantly hang around with Russ, because that's the man, like me, that's never lived like you. But that's the man, Russ, that really loves the Lord. It's wonderful not to act the part as a believer. It's, we're not cookie cutters. Not all of us are supposed to be the same. Being a Christian ought to be a natural flow that comes out of your life. And let the Spirit of God move and work through you. Paul says, I can do all things. In Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. You can do this, folks. I'm not asking you, Paul. Paul is not asking us to do something that's impossible. It's possible. We can do it. I want to close with something I hardly ever do. I was my notes. I was, you know, uh, studying Dr. J. Vernon McGee as well as uh, Sproul and MacArthur and different guys that uh, are studying through the Book of Romans, and I'm holding on to them so that I, I don't mislead us. And Dr. McGee had this poem by a guy named Hadley Mole. He put it like this. I would not have the restless will that hurries to and fro, seeking for some great thing to do or some secret thing to know. I would be treated as a child, guided by God as to where to go. I pray that for you and me. I want this for you so much that I can taste it. Paul is begging you and me. He's urging us to do this, implying that this is the only way, only way, only way, folks. You don't have to go to seminary. You've just been through a class in seminary right now by Paul. This is the only way to find true happiness, true joy, true fulfillment within your walk with Jesus Christ as you move into the year 2014. Can you believe that? Wasn't it just yesterday we were worried about that everything was going to go crazy because it was going to become the year 2000 and the computers would not be able to handle it? Part of getting old, things go quickly. Let this year be the best year that you've ever experienced as you walk with Christ. Father, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.